The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Absolute sports betting degeneracy. All right. Hey, everybody. Arch here. I am sitting here talking with the Google Hangout master, Rich. What's going on, man? Hey, Arch. How are you today? Not too bad. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm uh, out knocking on neighbors' doors, telling them I'll cut the grass for any amount of money so I can build my bankroll for tomorrow for the <laughs> Belmont Stakes. It's time to take all those beer cans to the uh, recycling and get a few bucks on the aluminum, right? Is that? Yeah, I jumped the guy with the shopping cart in the alley. There's a sign now down at the end of the alley, you know, warning to all metal scrappers. Uh, there's a crazy guy who's trying to build his bankroll on this block. Go elsewhere. There you go. There you go. So let's rip the copper out of our buildings and let's do this. So how big yeah, is none of my neighbors have none of my neighbors have downspouts downspouts on their uh, <laughs> in the garages anymore. So how okay. As as far as like a normal weekend of the track, just to, just a standard, you know, just weekend of the track, how much bigger is this weekend compared to just, you know, an average weekend? I, I don't have like you know no, actual I don't need the numbers, just, but what yeah, I can what you tell you from noticed. like from like anecdotal like watching things. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the time, like when you see uh, like money pools, so a pick four pool and a regular day at a track like Santa Anita or Belmont, yeah. they usually get pretty big. So a lot of times they'll, they'll threaten a million dollars on a good weekend of racing. Mm -hmm. they'll, they'll be well over a million dollars tomorrow. Guaranteed, they'll be over a million dollars. Like the pick four pools and uh, the pick three pools will be much, much larger than usual. I, I'd say at least double Ooh. what they normally are. So if the number of tickets are the same, well, the number of tickets are going to go up, obviously, because more people are watching. But I think the average ticket size is probably bigger, too, just because of the, you know, it's an event, not just a race. And as a result, if you have uh, winning tickets, this is the time where you're going to get usually a, a real fair payout for the risks that you're taking. Oh, I like Whereas it. I've had days in the past where... I've bet at smaller tracks on a Wednesday afternoon, you know, having a BLT for lunch uh, when I used to work downtown Chicago at the OTB. Mm -hmm. And I would have a 20 to one to win and a 20 to one to win and a 15 to one and, you know, all long shots to win a pick four. And you think, wow, I'm about to get paid. I'm going to go buy something I've been thinking about buying for a while. You cash the ticket and it's $400 because only $400 is in the money pool oh. when you should have gotten paid, you know, $50,000, $60,000. Right, right. So the money pool is a huge part of the equation. And this weekend, for sure, the money pools are going to reflect uh, that you have a big event going on in the Belmont Stakes. So 
when you bet, your tickets might actually pay out more than what we've experienced in the past. Nice. So I could hire somebody to paint my deck and wouldn't have to do it myself. <laughs> like me. Yeah, like you. <laughs> I, just, I, just paint, I just painted my deck. I'm in the process of redoing my the outside of my house. And I just spent the last week priming, uh, you know, the like the iron gate around the front of the house. Yeah. And it has all these like little little turns and corners and crevices and oh my god is that tedious mm, mm, mm. you're getting your house show ready that's what we say right <laughs> you can raise get in an order i don't know in chicago i just listen to like the i look at i pay attention to things it's probably a bad idea it's probably making me one day closer to prozac than i want to be yeah and you know the city has got like a 700 million dollar shortfall the, the, the mayor's begging businesses to stay that got looted and burned out. Uh, they're talking about um, because of the COVID, the amount of money that the government had to borrow. It's, Illinois is an exodus state where people are actually leaving. We have one of the highest property tax bills in the country. And, and they're talking about all of these fees going up. And I've read uh, on uh, some sites where they have moles, you know, in some of these conversations where the tax bills can go up 50%. And and I'm seeing more and more for sale signs like around the neighborhood where I live than I've seen ever before. And I, I, and I I just have to think a lot of those people are just, you know, they're putting a bow on it and saying, it's been nice, but I'm up and out of here. Yeah. Yeah. And, And the police and the mayor are in open warfare. I mean, out in the pages. I mean, it's not even like behind closed doors anymore. And I just think that that's all going to lead to probably a, 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 you know, higher costs and, you know, a less safe city. And that's just in businesses that are probably going to be here. Supply demand says if there's people leaving and not coming in, it in Illinois already has the, the, the lowest recovery rate for home prices. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, at the not too distant future, I'm talking to you from a different destination. <laughs> You're going to go all the way to Evansville or are you going to go a little bit further? <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'm going to come to Missouri to the Ozarks and so I can go swimming with hordes of people. You need a log cabin. That's what you need. Yes. Me and Abe. Yeah. There you go. I don't know who that is, but all right. A- Abe Lincoln in his log cabin. Oh yeah. 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 I thought you were being cute on me. All right. Let's I'm talk not, horse racing. I'm not cute. <laughs> horse racing. What are we looking at? So, yes, Belmont this weekend. So there's six races at Belmont that are stakes races. And the um, we're going to start, well, the second race, but we're going to start with race number uh, eight. eight. So we're going to do yeah. the two races leading into the Belmont stakes and then the Belmont stakes itself. Um, and that way, perhaps uh, we can put together some tickets for pick threes that end with the Belmont stakes. And that should be a pretty sizable pool of money as well. And I do think that in the first, in, in race number, number uh, eight, the acorn stakes, mm-hmm. and then uh, in the Belmont stakes itself, we can limit the size of the ticket. Cause there's a couple of horses that are probably standouts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in the middle race there, race number nine, it's a little bit more wide open. So maybe we can find some value there. And go ahead and uh, up the ante, so to speak, or up the payout if we happen to catch the right combinations. Let's do it. So in uh, race number eight, um, the Acorn Stakes, it's um, post time is 4.15 p.m. Eastern. 
They're going to run uh, one mile on the dirt, three-year-old fillies, field size of seven. And looking at the surface and the bias, um, so far there's only been three races uh, at the current meet, and they were all won by closers. However, I keep um, data, and this is probably not a bad thing for people who are, are serious about horse racing, is to go and if you have a particular local track, so I know for me, Arlington and, and Hawthorne are the local tracks, you can just keep data, throw it in an Excel spreadsheet uh, where you have like the race, the race type, the distance and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then you can start to build like a profile of a winner. And it'll help you find some value in tickets sometimes. So you might find a horse that fits that particular style that hasn't run well at different distances. And now he's in a distance or she's in a distance that fits. So well, um, that's one of the things I do. Yeah. So little, hold, looking back, let's hold on just one ahead. second. I want to I pick that. I want to play with that thought just a little bit deeper. So when we're building a profile, we're building a profile of the horse or the track. Like what kind of horse wins it, you know, what's track or we're looking at the horses and how they do at the various distances and whatnot. Yeah. So different distances, because maybe a track lays out, have different sorts of biases. So mm -hmm. for example, you know, some race tracks are a mile, the oval, some are three quarters of a mile, some are other distances. The turns might be a little tighter, for example, like at Laurel, I think the Laurel Park in Maryland, the, uh, the turns might be a little bit tighter than some other tracks. They're not as wide or maybe banked. So there are a lot of different variations in terms of the track. It's not like an NFL field. That's a standard size or an right, NBA right. basketball court. It's more baseball. And, and, right. And, be, and because of, yeah, more baseball. And because of that, each track has its own kind of like edges, if you will, or advantages. And by keeping a log of horses that win, um, at a particular length and track surface. So like six furlongs on the dirt versus six furlongs on the grass, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And at Belmont park and some other parks, they actually have, they have a inner track turf course where the tight, their turns are really tight and like the circles are much smaller because it's inside all the other tracks. Then they have the main track, which is the, um, the dirt track. And then usually outside that they'll have a grass track, right? So each turn, as you can tell, just because of the, the, the way that the circle or the oval is made, the inner track is going to have the tightest turns. The dirt track is going to have the, you know, average turns, if you will. And the outer um, turf track, the turns are going to be much wider and longer and spread out. So different horses um, perform differently on those type of, of surfaces. So you might find a horse, for example, that doesn't run a two-turn race as well as it runs a one-turn race. Okay. And because of that, when the horse goes from a two-turn race to a one-turn race, maybe he was just horrible or she was horrible in the two-turn race. But now it's in a one-turn race. And, you know, when the horse is in a one-turn race, it does just fine. Okay. And because of that, most bettors are going to look at the two-turn performance and say, oh, that horse sucks. And they're not going to bet on him, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas if you have that little bit of inside information, if you will, then you'll say, well, you know, wait a minute. When a horse runs six furlongs on one turn, he does just great. So he's 10 to one. Betters aren't taking him. I'm going to take a flyer here because his history says that he fits the track bias. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So that's, that's what I mean by that. Yeah. I just wanted and, to follow that thought. Yeah. Cool. 
So in this particular race, it's a it's a one turn race because Belmont is one of the longer tracks. So they come out of a shoot, run out of the back stretch. So it's only one turn. So post position really doesn't make that much of a difference. I don't I don't think because mm-hmm. they have a long stretch to run, and there's not an immediate turn. So a lot of times a, a, a track will start and the horses have a very short short amount of time, uh, short amount of track space to run before they have to make that first turn. And because of the way they're spread out, the horses that are inside, they're the ones that are likely to get to that turn first. So it means the horses on the outside really have to run harder than they probably want if they want to be close to the front. So they might burn up more energy than you want your horse to do if they get an outside post. Mm -hmm. Because at Belmont, that's not really the case on one turn races. Um, and, And a lot of these longer routes, like a mile, most tracks a mile race you're going to turn two times here you're only turning once and because of that long back stretch post position's not really going to play a factor so really the best horses should be able to get to the turn and and, and get to the turn first which gives them an advantage um, coming out of the turn heading for home okay okay so here we have some youngins that are going to be running they're three years old but most of the horses a lot of the horses don't have a lot of experience I think the horse that has the most experience is maybe run, I don't know, six times, five, six times. And a lot of the other horses that are in this race have one or two um, races under their belt. And the favorite is the one horse. And just so people know, when I do my handicapping, I tend to do my handicapping without the um, when the odds aren't available yet, because I don't want to suffer from what's favorite bias. Mm-hmm. And just to explain that is when there's a favorite, it kind of influences how you think because you might have a horse that's not the favorite as your top pick. And then you see the odds and you think, hmm, what am I missing? And it can influence the way you think. So in this particular case, um, (laughs) my handicap and I ended up taking the favorite as a one to one as my top choice. And that's Gamine. Now, this horse has run twice for Bob Baffert, who's one of the he, – he's probably the most famous horse racing trainer mm-hmm. in the uh, in the world. I think a lot of casual sports fans, at least casual horse racing fans, probably know who Bob Baffert is. Maybe not by name, but he's the white-haired guy that you always see at the at, on TV for the televised races. So his horses tend to do really, really well because he gets the best horses. Yeah. He's on un- – Undefeated in two starts, had the highest last race speed rating, and his fractions were the same for a mile and a sixteenth, basically, uh, as they were for a six and a half furlong race. So that tells me that this horse is real strong, it's fit, and it's probably going to get close to the lead and have a chance to wire the field. So I, I I'm not sure because of the um, lack of experience, only two races, that he's not vulnerable as well. So I wouldn't just isolate him on the top of my ticket, despite the fact that he's one-to-one, simply because he hasn't run against the top-level competition yet. Or she has. I'm sorry, it's Phillies. She hasn't run against the top-level competition yet. But what she's put on paper so far is definitely uh, top-notch stuff. So the second horse that I have is Casual, which is three-to-one. It's another horse that's undefeated in two starts. And her numbers are pretty similar to the one horse. Hmm. 
So I would expect that these two horses are likely to be the first two out of the gate or within the front pack. And both will have a pretty good shot, I think, of uh, winning the race. Steve Asmussen is bringing the horse in from Churchill Downs, where she won. And her speed figures are a little bit more consistent than the one horse's. So that might be about her level. But if she takes a step up, uh, then absolutely, I think she can compete with Gamine and, and if not, have a shot to uh, to beat her. I like it. I like it. And Steve Asmussen, yeah. we know that name. If you've been listening to the podcast, we've seen his name pop up from time to time. For sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah. he's definitely uh, one of the better trainers. Yeah. Uh, the third horse I have, and, and this horse is run against the best competition, and I'm almost surprised that it's not the favorite, and that's Perfect Alibi, number seven. Yeah. Five to one morning line odds, and – and she has the top jockey, and Irad Ortiz who's won 30% of the races so far um, at Belmont, this current meet. So, you know, the horse that he's on is an indication of what the top jockey feels the horse's um, potential is. And this horse ran in the Breeder Cup Juveniles Phillies race back in November. So it was considered one of the better horses in the uh, better – two-year-old horses, female horses in the country last year. And she's really only lost to, you know, really high, high caliber um, fillies. I mean, top of the notch stuff. So I think she has a really good shot. Now she's probably going to run maybe third or fourth coming out of the, uh, you know, when they're coming around the track. And if she's within, I would say, you know, two and a half lengths of the leaders mm-hmm. coming out of the stretch. She definitely has the best back class. In other words, she's run the best races against the best competition. So she definitely has the back class um, to go ahead and take out those two youngsters in terms of uh, their, their experience. And if she runs her best, I, I wouldn't be surprised if she pulls off the win at, 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 at five to one. So I think those three horses are probably where you're going to find the winner. Okay. And then a little bit more value plays. The two horse is uh, Luciria. No, Lucrezia. Lucrezia. All right, yeah. good. I'm, she's thanks. a she's a person that was uh, fell in love with a brother, and they had an incestuous relationship. I did not know that story. So Lucrezia. <laughs> I, 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 well, it's kind of interesting that the owner would name him after that. No. Yeah, it is. It's an odd pick. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder what that story means. But anyway, um, she's always near the front as well but she's kind of faded a little bit against some stiffer competition Mm. so i i do think she has a pretty good chance last time out she lost to another phenomenal horse um swiss skydiver and as a result um i I do think she'll be in the mix she's hit the board in 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 five of her six lifetime starts yeah Uh, ran second last time um I just don't know that she's going to be the, the the caliber of the top three picks. She hasn't run the competition that Perfect Alibi has run, and her numbers don't seem – well, we kind of have a better picture because she's run six times. That's the most experienced horse in the field, and you see her numbers are pretty consistent, so you kind of know what you're going to get from her, whereas the two horses that haven't run as much, I think there's still more upside in those horses. Mm-hmm. So if they unleash that upside, uh, they'll be that upside will be higher than what the two horses been able to accomplish so far. I got gotcha. you. Okay. 
And then we round out our picks with the five glass ceiling and number three water white. Those are our uh, alternative picks. Okay. So in terms of putting together a, a crafting a ticket, I do think the one is vulnerable, even though it's one to one, simply because of its lack of experience. Casual is also a horse that's kind of lacking experience. Um, but if their potential shines through, I expect one of those two will win. If experience is really going to be the factor, then uh, I, perfect alibi. So like if, if we're going to put the pick three ticket together, if I were going to bet a pick three on Saturday, which I will, uh, I would put the one, four, and seven as my horses to win this race, the acorn stakes, so race eight. And for like an exacta or trifecta, I would probably just box the one, four, and seven for my exacta. And for a trifecta, I would go with one, four, seven to come in first place, one, four, one, two, four, seven to come in second place. And then for sure, the one, two, four, seven for third, I might throw the five in there, but I think I would just stick with those top four horses. Just stick with the one, two, four, seven combos. Okay. If you want to put a little bit more money in, then you add in the alternatives just in case one of them hits at a lot at a higher price. Because like I said, with the money pools, it's worth investing a few more dollars mm -hmm. because if you hit with a long shot, uh, it's going to definitely show up in the payouts. So okay. don't be afraid to add the alternatives. So one of the things I like to do on, so let's rewind a little bit. Sure. One of the things that I like to do when I'm, when I'm looking to make my bets, right? So I don't want to be so hard and fast. That this is what I'm going to do no matter what. Right. I kind of want to let the conditions dictate where I want to put my money sometimes. So let's say, for example, um, number, uh, number five, our alternative pick glass ceiling morning line. It's 20 to one, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. He, she's won her last two races. And let's just say for whatever reason, she goes to 50 to one. That tells you almost no money's coming in on that horse. Right. Right. At 50 to one, I'm going to throw her in my tickets just in case, you know, cause my handicapping says she's got a shot, have her ranked uh, fifth. So it wouldn't be much of a stretch for her to find her way to third when the race is over. Mm -hmm. And if you had a trifecta, let's just say Gammon wins that one-to-one -one and Casual's the second favorite at five-to-two, and then Glass Ceiling comes in third at 50-to-one, you just turned a ticket that might have been 30 bucks into a ticket that's $100. Yeah. No, yeah. So I'm – yeah, so I'm looking for horses that their odds, as we talked about before, lay overlays, mm -hmm. where their odds kind of go higher than what they were in the morning line. Right, right, right. I, I love that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I love that too. So in the next race is the um, race number nine is the hyper stakes. I guess that's how you pronounce hyper. it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't think of any other way. It could be Jayapur. I'm not sure. Jayapur. Anyway. Yeah. This is... Uh, we were talking a little bit earlier about inner turf. So this is a uh, six furlong inner turf race. And this is where those turns are much tighter. And I don't, I don't know if it's anecdotal or what, but from watching these races, so many in my lifetime, I, I sort of like to see a horse that has some experience or at least tried an inner turf course in the past. Because for the first time, you know, a horse making these really tight turns, if you think about, you know, how force works, if you're going around that corner and, you're, and your core is not strong, when you turn and when you're coming out of that turn, you can kind of like fan out, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
because your momentum is going to carry you out and up the track. And some horses, I've seen good horses that have never run on an inner turf course before, have some real difficulty in terms of handling those tight turns. So it's kind of like a specialty, if you will. And, and so that way I like to see horses who have run on an, an, an inner turf course before and, and have, have at least done it, but preferably done it well. So my top three picks are the three horses that do have experience on the inner turf course. And the number one pick I have is the four, which is pure sensation. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, he's had a, a turn on the Belmont six for long. He got to the lead, but he was bumped at the start and he weakened late. So sometimes, I don't know, when a horse hits another horse, maybe sometimes it takes some energy out of them. Maybe they bruise their leg or something. And the more they run, the more it bothers them. Yeah. And they, you know, they don't, they don't close out, but otherwise she has a pretty good history of getting to the lead. And then when she gets the lead, keeping the lead. So if she ha- gets to the lead, doesn't play bumper cars with you know the other when he gets the lead and doesn't play bumper cars with some of the other horses at the get go or somewhere along the, the the race path. If he has the lead in the uh, going into the stretch, he's closed the deal four out of his last four times. I like it's it. Kind of like Tiger with a fifty-four hole lead back in his heyday. <laughs> yeah, it's just got to get there. Pure sensation's just got to get right. there now. Well, I suspect that he'll definitely get you know to the front because there's really not a ton of speed in his race. Hmm. So I, I don't think that he'll have a difficulty getting up close to the front. And it's not really having the front, you know, having the lead from the jump, which typically is how he does win. But there's really only um, maybe one other speed horse in the field, and that's Hidden Scroll. Hidden Scroll's only had one run on turf. It was a regular turf course, and he stumbled at the start and, and, and tossed to jockey John Velasquez. So we don't really know oh. how Hidden Scroll is going to run on turf. Mm. Prior to that, he kind of got to the lead or close to the lead, and then tried to close the race out as they headed to the you know to the finals mm-hmm. to the but I don't know what hidden scroll is going to do on the turf. Nobody knows. So it's kind of a flip of a coin. So you you could get, he could get to the lead and take the field from start to finish at a decent price, but it's not a risk I'm willing to take because I don't have any idea what the horse is going to do on, on turf mm-hmm. and n- nobody else does on the plus side. He's put a lot of really strong bullet workouts in on the turf. So that tells me that he does like turf, but Practicing is different than actual performance, as any golfer will tell you. When I get the range before I'm golfing, every drive is straight. Every (laughs) iron is on target. I get to the course and none of it's working. So uh, I want to see it on the track before I go ahead and, you know, and and allocate my dollars to it. My hard earned lawn mowing dollars. Alan Iverson would agree with you too. Yes. Practice? We're talking about practice. We're talking about practice? Yes. So the second horse is Old Alexandra. Okay. Uh, and she's got two trips on uh, – he. yeah, this is a female running in a race full of boys. And, oh. And female horses right, um, tend not to be as strong as male horses. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I'll just let you take so, that. You take, you take the reins here yeah, on this one. I'll, I, I'll sit back. Yeah, no, no. I, I don't, I don't want to be canceled in the horse culture. So 
The um, but she's run really well um, at on the Belmont um, turf course, uh, the inner turf course. Two mm-hmm. tries in the last ten races at six furlongs, and, and right at the wire was able to steal the victory for both of them. So her experience on the inner turf course tells me that she can compete with the boys. She's raced, like I said, there twice, won both of them, and she's making her second start off the uh, off of a rest. Her history says that she's going to make a pretty good improvement from the first race to the second race. And her last race was already the top speed figure for this field. So if history holds or at least rhymes, she'll be better than she was in the first race. And she's already shown that she can handle the six furlong inner turf course with two wins at Belmont. That's a record I just can't, you know, throw out the window and ignore. Okay. What's this? Uh, our, there's a our note, next horse. But there's a note next door name says AUS. Is she Australian or what's that? AUS. Yeah, from Australia. She's Australian. Oh, uh-huh. okay. Okay. Just yeah, and her, and her dad's from Brazil or her grandfather's from Brazil. So she's truly an international horse. There you go. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, now that's, you'll see like GB for Great Britain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think MX for Mexico. Some, so a lot of times, like obviously, I'd say the two main, and there's probably a third now. the 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 U.S. is the the is like where the best horses run, mm-hmm. and then Britain is probably where the second best group of horses run, and then the United Arab Emirates is probably you know, catching up in terms of the quality of horses that they're playing there because they're able to really up the the um, amount of pool money yeah, that's yeah. available jackpots that are available for the horses but the united states has by far the the largest um stakes purses available for horses on a regular basis than any other country so most of the best horses come here so you see horses from great britain it's probably the most common um international transfer uh, you see some from brazil and chile from south america probably the second most um some from france and in europe but it's rare to see a horse from Australia. So it's really, she would have been probably a, a superstar, like a uh, secretariat down there. Um, but she competes here and, and, and has done exceptionally well. So good for her. when you see those, that's where, you know, yeah. and it's good to know too, because you have to kind of have a sense of which countries ship up really good horses. And, you know, the trainers much like probably, you know, baseball scouts are scouring the world for these horses now. Mm-hmm. And when you see a good trainer pull a good horse, I mean, a horse from an international horse, you know, their scouting department, if you will, is letting them know that this is a horse that can compete at the highest level. All right. So uh, our third horse is number seven, and and that's uh, White Flag, where we get a little bit of value here at eight to one. Okay. Now, this horse is run, again, on the inner turf uh, at Aqueduct twice and at Belmont once. Finished second by a half a length in the Belmont race and has a first um, at Aqueduct the last time uh, he ran on a inner turf track and the first time he got seventh place. But his Belmont record, just running at Belmont, so we call these horses for the course. Some reason, some horses prefer some courses better than others. At Belmont, he's run seven times, four wins, a second, and two-thirds. Wow. So quick math tells you that he's never, ever, ever missed cashing a top three check at Belmont. Outside of Belmont, nine races, one win, one wow. second, 
two thirds. Damn. So he's a Belmont. So, he's a Belmont guy. Yeah, that that horse should take a permanent residency at Belmont, right? <laughs> Even when they're not running there, should zoom you know, like you know have zoom horse racing. You can run at your track. I'm running at uh, Belmont. So his Belmont record is uh, is phenomenal. And at the distance, he's finished in the money six of of eight times. So the track fits, the distance fits, and again, just from a observation standpoint. Mm-hmm. Christoph Clement, who's the trainer, is not one of the brand name trainers that most people have ever heard of before. But, you know, being a person who watches races and is aware of the, the, the personalities and the, you know, and the folks that are behind the scenes, if you will. I've just seen so many times in these inner turf races, you know, his horses win. And, and I wonder, and there's really not, I, I look to see if I can get a breakdown somewhere on, you know, trainers and how they win at distances and surfaces. And I, and I haven't found it yet. So it's actually something I'm kind of working on on the oh, side yeah, yeah. where I can do it myself, but just from observing, it seems like this is his specialty. Now, he has two horses in this race. Um, he has white flag and he also has, let's see which one. Pure he sensation. also has pure sensation. Yeah. yeah. So, and it's no surprise to me that he would have two horses in an turf race. I, I, he just seems to perform exceptionally well or overperforms at that level. So those are our top three horses. Yeah. And then um, the next horse we have is Texas Wedge. And really between Texas Wedge and Steubens, so that's the three and the five. I, I really couldn't separate the two in my handicapping. Steubens is three to one, so the, the odds maker sees it as a, a little bit um, better odds than or higher, lower odds than Texas Wedge. So if I can't break a tie, I'm always going to put the horse with the higher odds on top. Okay, yeah, yeah. Simply because if I mean, if you think about it, just from a, from a math standpoint, right? If if I, I can make ten dollars, if I see both things the same, so a horse that's three to one. Is going to pay you eight dollars if it wins, so you get your three to one odds times two, so that's six dollars plus your two dollar bet back, so eight bucks. And Texas Wedge is four to one, so I'm going to get ten dollars back. Right. So I see essentially the same risk between both horses, but in one horse I'm going to get paid twenty five percent more. Oh, yeah, I'm right. Yeah, you follow me on that? Of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. All right, so that's, that's, that's my, that's my entire baseball tech. strategy right there in a nutshell, Rich. <laughs> okay. Look for even games and take the underdog. All right. Well, that's exactly the same thing here. This is an even game, and Texas Wedge is the is the underdog, and I'm going to get ten dollars instead of eight if he beats him. So that's why I rank him uh, uh, um, in that order. And then the final alternative pick is number six, Hidden Scroll. That's the unknown horse that we talked about that's run really well on dirt through the jockey on his first um, turf try. And, you know, if he runs like he does in his practice rounds and like he's done on dirt, he could shock us. Um, I don't know that that's going to happen. I I, I would really want to get paid for that. So uh, hopefully, you know, if you do put some money on him, he's 10 to one odds. But I really do like the fact that the top three horses have got experience on the inner turf track. I I expect that uh, experience will pay off. Mm -hmm. So again, in our pick three, I would put the top three horses again. So the four, the two, and the seven. And then from like a, from a exacta standpoint, 
I would I would probably put the the four two seven on top. But what I might do because there are unknowns with the Texas wedge and Steubens, I would probably reverse it. So I would go two three four five seven to win one of those horses with the two four and seven one of those horses to come in second. Hmm. That way, if I get a longer shot, maybe a you know may, maybe hidden scroll really takes to the uh, to the surface, or Steubens really takes to the surface and takes off. I get a long shot on top, so I might put all six on top of the three. If I get a twenty to one on top of one of the you know maybe a, a three to one, I'm going to get a real nice ticket with big money pools. Oh yeah, and the same yeah. thing for the trifecta. I, I might put my top three or four picks, maybe the top five picks on top of um, those three picks and then put maybe five or six in the third place spot, giving myself a lot of coverage on a day where you can really hit. Now that's not, that's, that, that's kind of like the easy way to do it. Uh, when we have more time, we can get into one day and how maybe you might want to structure tickets a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. That way you can bet roughly the same amount of money. And instead of hitting one winner, you can hit maybe two or three winner, two yeah. or three winning tickets. Oh, sure. We'd love to hear talk about that. Mm-hmm. We can, we'll, we'll, maybe what we can do is, um, you know, and then I'll put out, I'll lay it all out so we can go over it pretty quickly for the, for one of the next big races. Sure. Yeah. I'd love to see the visual. Yeah. Aspect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So finally, the, uh, we're going to move to the big show, the beginning of what I'm calling the twisted triple crown, <laughs> the Belmont States. Twisted. Yeah. Because the Belmont used to be the last race. And now it's first race this year because of COVID. So they've kind of twisted the order. So Twist and Hard Mike's Lemonade should sponsor the race, right? They it kind of fits them. And they, no, they could it, steal my, uh, yeah. my, 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 my wordplay. You would sell them the copy for a reasonable fee. Yeah, I don't think I would get a, pay, a penny. <laughs> so here we have a, a big time favorite. And, and that's the, um, is Tis the Law. Oh. So he's. Yeah, he's breaking from the eight spot. And it's kind of hard to make an argument against him. His morning line is six to five. I mean, if you can lock in six to five now, and, you know, some of the offshore accounts might let you do mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I'm not sure. Maybe like William Hill or some other betting places might let you lock in. I don't believe he's going to be six to five uh, tomorrow afternoon. It's going to get ugly, huh? I think he might be three to five maybe four to five. Um, but I, I don't see him being even money odds or, you know, higher than even money odds when the race gets started. And it's pretty simple. The horses run on, uh, on a fast track four times. And every time he's run on a fast track, he's just obliterated the foes. The closest any horse has been to him is three lengths at the finish line at a fast track. The one time he ran on a sloppy track at Churchill Downs, he finished third by uh, three quarters of a length. He kind of got tucked in, so he had like like not didn't really have a clear path to the uh, to the to the finish line. So I think it's going to be, and I don't want to get too out of hand here, to, you know, to try to pick something just to beat the favorite. He is the horse to beat. The way that um, this race sets up now, normally, uh, and we were talking about this in the, in the race number eight, normally the Belmont Stakes is a mile and a half, which is one lap around the Belmont track. So that would be two turns. 
in that case, having the eight post might be a detriment. But this time they're starting all the way at the back of the chute. So they have a, at least, I'm going to say, a, an eight, a, maybe a quarter of a mile run before they get onto the track. And it's just this long straightaway. And there's no way that that eight spot's going to hurt him. He's going to be able to get to the position he wants to get to, which will probably be running third, maybe fourth, right behind the early leaders, tracking them, you know, kind of keeping pace without really putting much, uh, without exerting uh, too much energy. And then when they hit the stretch, when they come into that turn, you know, the jockey there is going to step on the gas pedal, uh, Manuel Franco, and say, okay, let's go. And based upon his history on a fast track, it's supposed to be 90 degrees and, and sunny. Uh, I, you know, until he gets beat on a fast track, I, I don't, I'm not going to bet against him. Mm. So in your pick three, you could single him. So what a single means single, is that yeah. you just pick one horse. Yeah. So, so you'd have three picks by three picks, three horses with three horses, and then the eight horse. So if anybody's going to beat him, I have the one horse um, getting tap it to win as the one that has a shot maybe to get him. Source is six to one morning line odds. And the reason I think he's got a shot is because when I look back at past races at the distance, there's not been very many of them over the, you know, over the course of the last year or two. Speed has performed well. And I have a feeling that Tap at the Wind is going to get out to the lead and could get out to a, a pretty good lead, maybe two, three lengths over everybody else in the backstretch. Last time he ran, he put in the highest speed rating, speed number, but it was his first time ever on Belmont's track. He ran a mile and a 16th, so he's adding a mile. He's adding a 16th of a mile, so he's just backing up the gate a little bit. So he got a trial run, if you will, and now um, he's back adding that 16th. And what was kind of impressive to me is that this horse last year broke its maiden in a six furlong race. And doing that, he ran um, a time of 109 and three. So he ran six furlongs, won a race at 109 and three, which is a pretty good time to win a six furlong race, actually pretty fast. In his Belmont race last time out, his six furlong fraction was 109 and two. So in other words, in a race that was a mile and a 16th, He ran a faster six furlong time than he did breaking his maiden, which was already a fast six furlong time. Oh, wow. And I look at that and I say to myself, that's impressive. Yeah. So he ran the fastest speed rating, got out to a big lead. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets out to a big lead on the Belmont, in, in the Belmont field and you know makes everybody chase him down late. And if he can run in the opening, you know, when you see like the half mile, time mm-hmm. if he if he's under i mean if it's around 47 seconds i think it'll be very difficult for anybody to catch him so that's the one horse i think has a shot to take out tis the law because there's not a lot of speed in this race he's one of two horses that might get to the front i think he's definitely going to get to the front and if he can run fractions that are reasonable you know not just sprint as hard as he can early on he'll have enough left i think to uh to make it really close at the wire all right now, the next horse on my list is the two horse soul volante i remember that name mm-hmm. yeah he's run six times mostly cashes the big oversized check for the winner four wins 
a second and a third. So he's never missed the board. And in these longer races, there's always, there are always going to be horses that are closing at the end. So I expect that he'll be near the back of the pack. Um, as you know, as the announcer is calling out the race on NBC or whatever channel it's on. Mm -hmm. And you'll think, Oh my Lord, I put money on this horse. Where is it? <laughs> However, in every one of its races and all six races from the stretch to the finish line, he made up a ton of ground in his last race, which was his first following a short rest coming into the stretch. He was fourth by three and a half lengths and won the race by three quarters of a length. I, I call those power moves. Yeah. I love horses that make power moves. I, I, I absolutely love them. And I think he's going to be, so if the, if the race is really fast up front, and and you see fractions maybe at the half mile marker of 45 seconds or something you know silly like that these closing horses are going to have a really good shot and i think the strongest closer of all is sol volante yeah and because there's a lack of like real front end speed i think he'll be closer to the front than he normally is so you got a horse that's got a strong kick the pace should set up so that he's not way 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 in the back like he tends to be. And if he's coming out of that turn and, you know, Sol Volante is maybe fourth or fifth, no more than four lengths or so from the leading horses, he's going to make it really, really close at the wire. And uh, our final fourth pick is the, uh, of our top picks is um, number nine, Dr. Post. And again, this kind of goes back to a, a the gammon in the young, unexperienced horses, the lightliest race horse in the field, only three races so far. One is last to stepping up really, really big time in competition. Now, because he's only run three races, we don't know what his ceiling is yet. And yet his best speed figure is on par with Tis the Law's top numbers. Oh, wow. If he runs to that level, then yeah, this horse has a shot to win. Sometimes that first big step up in class is a difficult step up in class, but trainer Todd Pletcher, he's really good at spotting his horses. So I, I would, I don't think he'd put his horse in there if he didn't think it had a legitimate chance. And early on, we talked about jockey Irad Ortiz. Well, Irad Ortiz is on Dr. Posts. Hmm. So the top jockey, one of the top trainers putting a horse where we're not quite sure where the top is into the field I think, you know, speaks well for the chances that this horse has to, you know, to show up and be a big part of the story. So those are our top four picks. Tis the law, tap it to win, Sol Volante, Dr. Post. Filling out our um, alternative picks, our number five, Farmington Road, and number 10, Pneumatic. And, and I have Farmington Road listed a little bit higher than Pneumatic, but no particular order. I, I put them both in there because I think if it's a really fast race, Farmington Road might be the second best closer in the field. Okay. And if that, so it's a fast race, then Farmington Road has a shot to really pass some tiring legs late. If it's the other way around and it's not that fast of a race, so tap it to win and gets out, runs some slow fractions, pneumatic is likely to be second or third, you know, will also benefit from slow fractions. Then if it's a, if it's a slower type race, then pneumatic, I think has a pretty good shot to stay up front pretty much all the way around the track and, and get a chance to collect the check. Now for our pick three ticket, what I would probably do is, you know, we had three horses in the first race, three horses in the, 
second race. If you want to, you know, keep the, the limit your um, outlay single up to eight, but that's not going to give you that will if you have the first two winners and tis the law wins, it'll give you the absolute lowest payout available for the pick three with with tis the law winning and your first two winners. So I would add probably tap it to win on the ticket as well, just in case he's able to get out to a lead and hold that lead and, and, and get to the wire first. And at six to one odds, if you, you beat a horse that's three to five, those tickets double and triple in size. Nice. So that's how I would look at it from a trifecta standpoint. And I, what I would probably do from the trifecta standpoint is uh, I would put the eight to win with like the one and two to come in second, maybe the nine, if you want to put them in there and then all six picks, all the other remaining five picks to come in third. And then I would reverse it with uh, tap to win Sol Volante, maybe Dr. Post to win with Tis the Law to come in second, and then the five picks to come in third, just in case Tis the Law finishes second. Because a lot of times, those backdoor exactas and backdoors trifectas, if the three to five favorite or four to five favorite doesn't win, you'll see uh, the exactas and trifectas nearly double in, in payout as well if they come in second. Mm. Okay. Okay. All right. So that's it, folks. And, you know, it's going to, going to be a, a big money pool. The weather should be nice. I don't think it's rained in New York for a while, so the track should be hard and fast. And, you know, I, it should be a fair surface for all horses. But I do expect because of the, you know, the, the weather in a hard track that speed's probably going to hold up. And you'll see a lot of horses get to the front that do pretty well. I like it. I like it. Oh, wow. We covered a lot of ground. Got a lot of bets. Make yes, a lot of bets. Well, tomorrow, like I said, is the day to, these these triple crown races: the Belmont, the Kentucky Derby, the um, Preakness. So, usually, from betting, what I've noticed is the Kentucky Derby and Belmont are usually bigger than the Preakness, and then then you have like the uh, Breeders' Cups in November, mm-hmm. which are also very big money pools. So, those are probably the f- four series of races that you really want to be a part of if you're a casual horse rating horse racing. Uh, better um so if you're gonna bet horse racing tomorrow's the day to do it i think there's something like 20 some odd tracks running too so you you can keep yourself entertained in between races because with these um really big races like the uh belmont stakes there can be like a 40 minute break between race number nine and race number 10 and you know if you're bored (laughs) just sitting there looking at announcers talking about horses uh, you know, you can also bet on some of the other tracks that are available. And of course we have them all covered and we're having a pretty good week. So it seems like we're, uh, you know, we're on it uh, and make sure you head on over to uh guaranteed tip sheet. Yes. And let's hope we cash a, a, a ton of tickets so we can buy some fireworks and a lot of hamburgers and hot dogs, <laughs> and apple pie for the 4th of July celebration. There you go. I know. I love it. I love it. Yeah, man. Guaranteed tip sheet links in the uh, description. It's always in the description. Just click it and head over there. Mm-hmm. All, hey, if anybody's ever got any questions for me, you can always email me too. So my email address is gtsrichb at uh, gmail.com. Yeah, I'd so, love to get uh, that. To way they, yeah. can, they can spy on everything that we talk about. <laughs> they don't need to spy on everything we talk about. Yeah, well, Gmail does, right? Oh, well, Google does. Yeah, yeah. I haven't been kicked yeah. off yet, so I don't think I'm going to get kicked off anytime soon. I think if it was going to happen, it would have yeah. happened by now. Yeah. Well, I don't think you're going to get kicked out of Gmail. No. Well, they tried to kick you out yesterday, but they wouldn't let you. 
Yeah, they did try to kick me out. I was doing my own broadcast and they wouldn't let me, my, they wouldn't let my microphone work. So they wanted to yeah. make me look as dumb as I am. I, I keep telling you, man, you tell, you tell Chris I'm for hire producing. So uh, yeah, I, I let him know yeah, 24 hours a day. We could do horse racing all the day. We'll just line up guests and just put you in front of a computer nonstop. That's my, that's my life anyway, in front of the computer constantly. My right. vision is horrible from my face being six inches from a computer screen. <laughs> oh man. So is there anything else we need to know before I kick you out of here? Nah, you know, the market folks is kind of in between yeah. uh, recent highs and recent lows. I think that um, it's probably going to stay in between those recent highs and recent lows unless the, the second wave of COVID really becomes, you know, you start to see some states relocked down, in which case you can see the stocks drop like they did before. But I think the real um, catalyst is going to be starting after the 4th of July when the, when the second, earning, second uh, quarter earning mm -hmm. season gets started. And it's not going to be so much, you know, what they report, how they did and what their financial scorecards were for the second quarter. It's really going to be the kind of guidance that the companies are giving for the third quarter, what they're seeing. And, you know, I think we got a little preview of that last week with the retail sales where they had the biggest jump in, in history, something almost close to 18 percent increase. So I think the consumer, you know, is tired of being bound up at home, wants to go out and spend. There's some pent up demand. But when that pent up demand disappears, you know, where are we going to be after that? So that's going to be the big question. And executives in their conference calls will be answering that question. So if companies are seeing the demand, you know, growing and returning back to normal, yeah. then I think you'll see the stocks probably break out to new highs if they, uh, you know, if they're still hesitant and cautious because, demand is kind of iffy, then I think the market could be in for some up and down volatility and not really go anywhere. And then of course, uh, you always have, you know, in 2020, you have another wild card in there, the, you know, the presidential election. So, and, you know, love Trump, hate Trump, wherever you are on Trump or wherever you are on Biden, the reality is the market likes um, consistency. They yes. don't like unknowns. So, you know, as president Trump's poll numbers go, the closer we get to the election, the market will, you know, might follow that because that's kind of been the history of the market, mm -hmm. regardless of its Republican or Democrat president. So right now, you know what the policies are going to be, right? So you can plan for that. If Joe Biden were to win, you know, even though he's got plans out there, nobody's really sure what's going to get implemented. Right, right. That makes sense. He's going to have sense. So, and so the, the market could be a little bit choppy. I expect it to be volatile from here all the way into the election. And then depending upon the election, you know, I, I would expect you could see some volatility afterwards for a little bit as well. But yeah. after November, it should settle in. The good news is I've done some study on this. The, you know, when there's an incumbent on the ticket, then... So right now, if you know Trump is the incumbent, usually those years end in the green, which is a good thing. Um, if Trump were to win in four years, then you would have no incumbent on the ticket. It's a little bit more of a wild card. No, yeah, it makes sense. All right, well, and that's it. Yeah, man, that's a lot of stuff. All right, Rich, why don't you get out of here? I will. I got to go back to the painting the deck and the fencing, making sure the outside of the house is pristine. All right. Good luck. I hope your realtor likes what you've done. Yeah. Well, we're not selling yet, but soon. Talk to you later, man. Take care.
Information on this podcast may not be construed to offer any kind of investment advice or recommendations. Under no circumstances will the owner-operators of this podcast be held responsible for damages related to its contents. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.